You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ask Concussion Doc, episode 90. I'm pretty sure it's 90. Oh, wow. That's good. That's good. Uh, On today's episode, we have... Nazig, how do you how, how do you say your last name? Haneshian. Haneshian. There you go. <laughs> at, at Invisible Scar on Instagram, and she is also a former and sometimes current patient of mine. Uh, I met Nazig two years ago, almost to the day uh, when right. she came. Uh, she came to my clinic for treatment of a concussion that she suffered six years earlier. And she reached out to me uh, last week and said that she had some questions from some of her followers on her channel about what we uh, did for her in terms of treatment. And I said, I think it'd be probably a good idea if we just did it live together and, uh, and just talked about your case. And that way we can kind of break down what we did in terms of the case, what symptoms she had and how we kind of approached that. And we can hear it uh, from her side and from and from my side, and I think that would be um, the uh, a, a cool thing to do. So, uh, welcome everybody to uh, to this. Nazig, um, off over to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm so glad uh, we're doing a live session together. Um, for um, every from my followers, I often talk about concussion dog and often refer to him as the hero who kind of changed everything for me um, after six years of suffering. So um, I suffered a concussion in July of 2012. Um, had six years of basically every single symptom of um, concussion, post concussion syndrome um, that came with that. I um, met or found out about um, concussion doc through my sister who discovered him on um, Instagram um, and uh, saw him two years ago now um, and we were just talking about it It was May 15th was my first uh, appointment with him um, in 2018 Um, and May 24 is my favorite day because that's the day I got my first treatment that did wonders for me Um, so concussion for Dr. Cam Martian has been uh, studying concussions extensively um, and I believe he's one of the doctors that's got the most up-to-date knowledge um, of concussions and the treatment methods for it Um, so I'm happy to have everybody here I've had a lot of questions over the past few months especially on what the treatment method was for me um, and I'm looking forward to this conversation Sweet. The other, uh, the other cool thing is just for those listening uh, on the podcast, the recording date of this is May 20th, 2020. So we're uh, just over two years to the date from her first visit and we're approaching the anniversary of the biennial yeah. or whatever it is for the, uh, <laughs> for the, for the first treatment. Um, the other cool thing we have today is I actually have her actual medical file up in front of me for the stuff that we did and her history and what her symptom scores were and what the dates were. So we can start to actually create a bit of a timeline for how things went down um, with her case. So why don't we start just with your history, what happened, how did you get your injury, and then what was the journey between 
that to to mind because I'm sure it resonates with a lot of concussion patients that are watching this right now or listening to this uh, on the podcast or watching on YouTube is that they probably went through similar journeys and they're probably having similar struggles. And so why don't you tell us your story uh, in your own words and then we'll go from there. Yeah, so um, I went on a volunteer trip. I was in my third year of university um, in 2012. So I wanted to go abroad and volunteer for a month. Um, So on the second night of my trip, I uh, fainted in the middle of the night. Um, When I fainted, I hit my head on a corner of a marble slab, um, which at the time resulted um, in microscale fracturing. I had a bit of brain bruising as well. And um, it it completely shifted everything. I mean, for the first week, I wasn't aware that it was a concussion. I kind of tried to go about everything. I knew um, my headache was very bad. I was very disoriented. I constantly walked into um, walls and constantly walked into the doorway of the car. So I knew something was wrong. Um, A a week later, when I got medical attention, um, I was diagnosed with a concussion. And um, immediately there, I was put on bed rest. Um, I wasn't able to fly back until three weeks after. Um, when I received, when I returned back to Canada, when I was still able to fly, I um, went straight to the emergency where I was officially diagnosed with a concussion and uh, got a lot of the examinations. Um, and those examinations included um, an MRI and a CAT scan, um, which thankfully came out clear at the time, but I was still diagnosed with a severe concussion. So um, to kind of fast forward in terms of that, I was put on bed rest for eight months. Um, and it was a very strict bed rest. It was putting, um, I was basically put in a dark room, uh, curtains closed, complete darkness, no stimulation to the brain. Um, so it was limitations even of socializing to one and a half hours a day, no reading, no movies, uh, obviously no physical activity to a point where the only time I would do any kind of activity was going to visit my doctor. Um, so initially I was visiting my doctor about once a week, and it was a sports medical uh, specialist, sports medical medicine specialist. Uh, so he was at the time uh, the person locally that uh, knew of concussions. Um, I, I did a bit of treatment for chiropractics, but that didn't really um, continue on. It wasn't um, there wasn't a lot of encouragement from the medical field in that sense. I saw three or four different neurologists. I probably saw about four or five different family physicians just for different opinions. Um, And I think one of the things that I constantly remember and I look back on, which was one of the most frustrating and discouraging parts of the recovery, um, was it was constantly, this is your condition, learn to deal with it. This is permanent, learn to deal with it. Um, As a person, as as somebody in their young early 20s, it was very difficult. It was, I was supposed to be going into my fourth year of university. Obviously, that never happened. I wasn't able to graduate with my class. Um, I had a lot of limitations. Um, In the first year, I think, especially was quite difficult um, emotionally, um, as much as it was uh, physically. So in terms of the physical aspect of it, though, um, I had every single symptom. I had the blurred vision, the throbbing headache, which felt like a migraine that I went to sleep with and I woke up with every day. Um, Disorientation was very real for me. I thought I was okay all the time, but I would walk into walls. I would walk into things. I would always hit my head on the door going into the car, even though I would see it. I had light and noise sensitivity. So when people spoke to me, I felt like they were screaming in my ear. Um, I was with sunglasses all 
all the time. And sometimes I'd leave the house and not have them and just kind of randomly buy a $5, $10 pair just to put something on. Um, so a lot of those symptoms uh, were a struggle to live with. And I find that um, it was... It, it, it was difficult. Um, I built, I think, a higher pain tolerance for it, but they never really left my side. Um, and to navigate the, the experience over six years, so to kind of generalize that, all of that, um, it was constantly repeated that, oh, you're not doing bed rest well enough. Um, you are exerting, therefore you are worsening your symptoms. So if I would go into the weekly checkups, they'd say, did you look at your screen at all? Or did you do something that you think would have stimulated your brain to impact that? Um, which was uh, difficult, I think, that... The doctors that I saw at the time, maybe that's all, that that's the extent of their knowledge in concussions, but I don't think that they completely understood the, the emotional impact or the mental health impact of doing all that to completely take somebody who's been so active and isolate them in that kind of area. Um, that, that was very difficult. Um, I look back in hindsight and realize just how difficult that experience was for me. Um, uh, but to, I guess to fast forward, uh, when I got to the five year mark, especially in 2017, um, I incurred my second concussion, um, which was probably uh, more difficult for me to accept than the first, because I thought every kind of improvement that I had beforehand, uh, it just took me back. Um, that's, uh, th that was kind of the year where a lot of different things changed in my personal life as well. Um, and in 2018, my sister, uh, well, actually, I just want to note that my sister throughout this experience was constantly researching alongside my parents, but she was completely determined all the time to find an answer. Um, what, she wasn't convinced that this was it. So, uh, she found concussion doc on Instagram. And I always say this to my followers because I think, um, it's so important to realize that you find care in different ways and you find them when when you least expect them. Um, so we found Concussion Doc on Instagram. Um, and she tried to convince me for a few weeks. So but we need to make an appointment with Concussion Doc. And I was opposed to it, um, not because of his, uh, not because of anything else other than I just did not want to hear um, the word saying like, this is it, there's nothing else we can do for you that I had heard for so long. Um, but I guess we went fast forward through the six year experience. It was filled with many struggles. It was filled with a lot of pain, um, obviously physical pain, a lot of um, emotional impact as well. Um, but I, I, I kind of leave it back to, I'll get back to you, um, Kim, because you can talk a bit more about your approach. But um, the reason why I went to Dr. Marshall after was because of the different approach. And uh, when we did the research about the different methods of treatment, it was completely different than every single doctor we had seen before, um, which, is, uh, which, which brings us to May 15th in 2018. Which would have been earlier, but <laughs> yeah. she just told me, she just told me before we went live because we were looking. I was just kind of quickly looking at at her file, and I was like, "Oh, May fifteenth. And she said, "Yeah, it's supposed to be earlier," but she um, decided to call and not tell her sister and just cancel uh, before she came in to see me. So, and then and then her sister found out, I guess, and forced her to come and brought her. Um, yeah, my sister made sure she drove me and brought me in. <laughs> yeah. So I saw both of you guys that day. Um, That's right. Okay. So, I mean, I think that that story is probably not unlike many of the people that listen to this podcast and many of the people that are watching us live right now. It's, it's um, 
the same thing, right? Hearing, you know, time after time after time just to rest. And if rest isn't working, just rest more. And it just, it just doesn't seem to do the trick. And so, um, you know, in, in the defense of some of the healthcare professionals you probably saw at the time, like back in 2012, that was the standard of care. We were telling people to rest and that was the thing. But there was starting to be some emerging evidence coming out that exercise could be a benefit for people uh, suffering for, from, from longer standing symptoms. And so anyone who is, who is keeping up with that literature probably would have, would have, you know, noticed even at that time, um, I founded complete concussion management in 2013. So basically right around the time you were probably looking is when we first opened our, our first, we had six or seven clinics that started up with us and, uh, and we were doing treadmill testing as one of our cornerstones right away. So exercise was a big thing at that point, but we were on the cutting edge, uh, of that. But I mean, how many people listening to this right now, you know, are, are just resonating with your, with your story. It's, uh, there's probably a tremendous amount of people and there's probably a ton of people that have given up hope, you know, just, just as you were kind of verging on, you know, at that time. So I think it's important um, for, for you to continue to share your story. And I'm so glad you've done that on Instagram and, you know, shared it from a, a more recovery standpoint and, you know, showing people that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Cause I find a lot of people on Instagram in the concussion recovery space, it's always, it's always so negative. It's always, you know, um, that there is, you know, this is the way it is kind of thing. But I think that, that what, what your channel does is, is show the, the hope side and the upside. So I think it's, I think it's good. So if any people are not following Nazig at invisible scar, you probably should be because it's, uh, it's motivational, but in a way of, of recovery and not, uh, not turmoil. So anyway, let's go on with your case and let's talk about, you know, my approach to things and, and the way that, that we do um, the things that we do. So the first thing I want to do, I'll pull up your assessment here, and this is dated May 15th, 2018. And this was 2,127 days after your initial concussion. So that's how a, that's, long I was. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of days. So 2,127 yeah. days had passed before you found your way to me. Um, Fainted, hit your head on a corner of a marble slab, all the things you talked about, uh, trying to go back to school. You were in university at the time, undergrad? Um, what, I went back to complete my undergrad in 2013 and finished, graduated in 2014. So I went back a year later, but I uh, took a break. Okay. Um, I, I didn't start my master's until after, um, after I wrote, right. after I recovered. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So... She had no real red flags. The initial symptoms that she reported at the time of the injury were balance problems, blurred vision, confusion, fogginess, headache, and nauseousness. Typical, you know, those are, those are probably some of the most common symptoms that we see. And then the symptoms that she experienced when she came to see me, I'll just go through the most severe ones. So she had headache, pressure in the head, interestingly, zero neck pain. Her neck pain score was zero to six. And what we'll see as we go through this is actually treatment of her neck was one of the most helpful things. And so that's something that I try to get across to people as well is that the symptoms of concussion and the symptoms of whiplash are identical. And a lot of times patients with whiplash will have visual disturbances and dizziness and all these symptoms that they will assume is something with their brain. But in reality, it's actually, uh, it's actually a neck issue. But most of the time, people relate neck-related problems to having neck pain but she reported a neck pain of zero. So let's just keep that in mind. So no neck pain at all. Headache, pressure in the head, uh, dizziness. Her blurred vision was a six out of six. So blurred vision was a big one. So keep that, that one in mind. That was a big struggle. 
yeah, keep that in mind as well as the vision was huge. Six out of six. She had been to the optometrist. Um, everything with her glasses was fine. She'd had it all, had everything checked out in terms of her visual function and it was all normal. Uh, sensitivity to noise was a five out of six. Uh, feeling slowed down was a four out of six. Fogginess was a five out of six. Not feeling right or not feeling like herself was a five out of six. Fatigue or low energy, she rated as a four out of six. Confusion, three out of six. More emotional, irritable, sadness were all four out of six. Nervous or anxious was a three out of six. And her total symptom severity, so the total number of symptoms, uh, was, was 20 out of a possible 22. Um, and her total symptom severity score was 68 out of 132. So uh, quite a significant score in terms of severity. So 132 is the maximum that you can score. She had a 68, which is generally high. As soon as I see something over 40, I start to, I start to realize that there's, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. It's not going to be an easy case. Um, neurological examination was completely normal. And I think this is where a lot of healthcare professionals go wrong is that they assume that concussion is a neurological injury. So we're going to send you to the neurologist. Most neurologists are looking for overt neurological dysfunction, but most people, most concussion patients don't have overt neurological dysfunction. So her, her, her entire neurological exam was completely normal, unremarkable cranial nerves, cerebellar, uh, upper limb neuro, uh, pronator drifts, uh, all that stuff was completely normal. Um, she had good ocular motor tracking, good convergence, uh, of her eyes. So it was, it was, there was nothing neurological going on, uh, when I first, when I first assessed her. Typically what we do on our first visit is we just do, uh, we do this history, we do a neurological examination, and then we start with patient education. And then we provide uh, a bit of a diet plan. And the diet plan we typically recommend is just to avoid foods that are, that are high in, 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 in they're, they're, they're pro-inflammatory, we'll say. They're not high in inflammation, but they're, they, they can promote inflammation. Um, and things that, that we typically tell just as a blanket to avoid for a few, for a few weeks just to try it out. Uh, sugars, refined sugars tend to be very uh, in, inflammation-inducing or, or, or promoting. Uh, dairy, gluten, and um, eggs and alcohol can be ones that, that cause your body to, to go under um, just increased inflammation. They can, they can kind of wreak havoc on your gut uh, for some people. So those are the most common ones. We typically start there. And if that doesn't do the trick, we start to drill down. So I saw you and you, the good thing about Nazig's case, and one thing I think we should highlight is that she was extremely diligent on the things we told her to do. So if we told her to do the diet, she did it 100%. If we told her to exercise, she did it 100%. So after we do the history and our physical examination, just to rule out any red flags or any type of um, other stuff that might be going on from a, from a neurological standpoint, then we uh, move forward. The next thing we do after we provide the diet on day two, which in this case was one week later, it was May 22nd. So almost two years to the day, May 22nd, the second thing we do is a Buffalo treadmill test. So she said that she's been told not to do any exercise whatsoever by anybody, and it's been six years. And she also told me that she likes to run, or at least did like to run, uh, before mm -hmm. all of this went down. So with the diet plan and the education and basically empowering her 
because uh, we spend probably 15, 20 minutes just on education of what a concussion is, what happens inside the brain, what are the potential causes that could be could be um, contributing to the symptoms that you're experiencing. And then we kind of develop a game plan. So we're going to do this with your food. We're going to do this in terms of exercise. We're going to check for blood flow. We're going to do all this stuff. And I think that that alone with that knowledge and being given the diet really helps people a lot. I usually find that there's about a 50% reduction in symptoms just with the education and diet plan alone. And in the Zeke's case, we went from a 68 symptom severity score down to a 15 in one week. And I hadn't even, I hadn't touched her yet, right? It's just providing the right diet, the right recommendations, the right education to then let her say, okay, this is different. This is something I don't have to sit in a dark room. I can go out and socialize. Oh my God, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when she came back to see me, now keep in mind the scores that I just said, headache uh, was a two, uh, nauseousness was a one, feeling slowed down was a one, difficulty concentrating was a one, confusion, emotional, anxiety, uh, sadness, irritability, that were all four out of six, were now zero out of six. And the one thing she said was that the the diet plan um, really really had a profound effect uh, right away. So she noticed even within a few days that she was starting to feel better, being diligent 100% on that diet. Uh, pressure in the head was still a two. Uh, blurred vision was a three still. Uh, mm-hmm. Sensitivity to noise was a two. So, but she had a really profound effect just on that just after that initial visit. So in the first week, she she basically had her symptoms reduced by. 75% um, um, from there. So then we put her on the treadmill. And uh, do you remember being nervous for that? Were you nervous for the treadmill? Test? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I remember um, going on that. And I just thought, I, I wonder if I'm going to be able to do it, because I hadn't exercised in so long and just pushing my limits wasn't a thing. So um, yeah, I was kind of nervous about that one. And you passed. The flying and I was so surprised about it too. (laughs) You got you got up to a heart rate of 192, uh, which is which is close to your max. Um, And actually, I think it is your max. Yeah, it is. It's your max. And uh, and we stopped the test because you hit your max heart rate, not because you had any increase in symptoms. So no increase in symptoms whatsoever hit her max heart rate. So what that tells us right there is that the symptoms that she's experiencing are not due to a blood flow issue. So having her rest and do nothing is actually just going to be detrimental for her. So then we told her, all right, start exercising. You like running, start running. And that's, that's, that's what she did. And then I bring her back in two days later. And generally the second visit is when we look at the visual system and the vestibular system in terms of balance uh, and, and your ocular motor function. How do your eyes move? Do they move together? Well, are they skipping? Are they moving around? She was noting that she had some blurriness and things like that. Yeah. So it's something I wanted to check. Uh, and then we also check the neck on, on that visit and time permitted. We might even do a neck treatment depending on what we find. This um, was my favorite appointment. <laughs> so I, so I see her two days later. So this is May 22nd. The 24th. Her, her symptom score is 15 before the treadmill test, she passes the treadmill test. Two days later, this would have been a Thursday, just because I know I know my schedule. May twenty fourth, yeah. um, I see her and I do her symptom score before I do anything. Her symptom score is now a thirteen, so she went from a sixty eight to a fifteen, now to a thirteen. 
And let's see, headache was a two. Blurred vision was still a three. Sensitivity to noise was still a two. Um, but yeah, most of the other stuff is like way, way, way down, like confusion, anxiety, sadness, you know, all that stuff. And I think that comes a lot from just empowering the patient in terms of providing that education. Um, mm -hmm. So her subjective reports, she has a light headache, not too bad, and went for a uh, nice long walk uh, the day before, but hasn't really started in with an exercise protocol yet. And then I did her vestibular and ocular motor stuff, and we found issues with uh, her horizontal and her vertical vestibular ocular reflex. So that's how your eyes and your inner ear and vestibular system kind of work together. So there's a reflex that when you turn your head, it, it tells your eyes to turn the opposite direction so that you can keep your eyes stable on a target. If that's off, sometimes it can feel like when you're walking, you're looking through a camcorder uh, and it can create this feeling of, of dizziness. And so she had issues with both her horizontal and her vertical uh, VOR, but that was it. Everything else, and I could pull up your scores here. Um, yeah, nothing with her ocular motor function at all. Um, no saccades. Um, no issues with saccades. A little bit of visual motion, but not a significant issue. But really, it was it was the VOR. Um, mm -hmm. The VOR was was an issue. So I gave her rehab for that. Just gave her some uh, some exercises to do that. And um, I typically don't bring people in to do rehab for that. I just teach them how to do it, and I, I have them go. Um, I still have that page. I was just going through my stuff yesterday. I yeah. say like the checkered page and then yeah. you ha I have got your handwriting. I'm actually looking at it right now. It's right there. <laughs> you know what I did recently? So I used to, I used to handwrite out the instructions every time I had yeah. a person. That, so I finally typed them out and just, oh. <laughs> then I could just like explain it and not have to write it out. Cause it's, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyway. All right. So then we moved on to the neck. And remember, she had zero neck pain, zero mm -hmm. neck pain. That was that was a thing. Uh, but she had all those other symptoms, blurred vision and everything else. So remember, her symptom score is a 13 at this point. And so I start assessing her neck. And oftentimes what you do for neck assessment is to just push in on different muscles. And depending on where somebody's feeling their headache, you can almost pinpoint exactly where, uh, which tissues are going to be involved. So um, just to, to kind of explain this to, to people that might be listening is how can your neck cause headaches or how can your neck cause dizziness? Um, well, your, your head and your neck come from the same area in development. So there's a lot of crossed wires. So when you have a lot of pain in your neck, your brain actually interprets that pain as potentially coming from your neck, but it may interpret that pain as coming from somewhere else. And this is what's called referred pain. So the most common or the most well-known example of this would be a heart attack, right? If you're having a heart attack, some people feel pain down their, down their left arm, right? They'll have this aching left arm. Well, there's nothing wrong with your left arm, but your brain just says there's something going on over here somewhere and I don't quite know where it is. And you have more sensory fibers in your arm. And so you get these overlapping wires crossed and you start to feel as if it's pain in your arm, but it's actually your heart. And the same thing goes for your head and neck and different muscles and different joints refer to different areas of the head. So uh, if you have an issue with your suboccipital muscles, which are right here at the base of your skull, 
that can travel up over the top of the head. It can feel like a headache that's right in your forehead. So a lot of times people will be like, oh, I have this, this headache right in my forehead. And really what it is, is actually your suboccipital muscles back here. Um, splenius capitis muscle will cause, will cause a headache right on the very top of the head, like right on the crown of the head. People will often say it feels like somebody's driving a screwdriver right through the top of my head. So depending on where somebody yeah. is, basically where people report their headache, you can, uh, you can, you know, you can figure out which muscles are, are going to be effective. Do you remember where your headaches were? Yeah, I, um, I, I remember always on the left side, kind of like for everybody who can see it, it's right above my ear um, on the left side and I could just feel the veins. And if I put my finger down, it was kind of like a, like a cracking feel, like I could just feel all the veins there. Um, but my headaches would come from there and then um, come from my neck all the way up and I could just sometimes feel it in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best way to kind of describe my headaches that I literally had every day was like a severe migraine every single day. Mm-hmm. And um, I, at one point I kind of forgot or like didn't realize where it was being sourced from because it was just like a, having like a sore thumb. You just know that you've got the headache and you just walk around with it. Yeah. And I think that's something also to keep in mind is that a lot of people will assume that it's migraine, um, but migraine is an actual type of headache. And people don't yeah. really realize that people just assume that anything that's a really bad headache is a migraine headache. Yeah. But migraine actually has a specific kind of pathophysiological cause to it. Uh, and by definition, the criteria for migraine is a very, it's a, it's a fairly short headache, you know, lasting a few hours uh, to mm. sometimes a day or maybe two days. But people that have these constant headaches, I'll have patients that come in and say, I have had a migraine all week. Well, you haven't had a migraine all week because you can't have a migraine all week. If you've had a migraine all week, it's by definition, not a migraine, it's something right. else. And because the criteria of concussion and what's called a, or, or sorry, migraine and what's called a cervicogenic headache, which is a headache coming from your neck, um, it's it's a different. It's um, that's that's kind of the they're they're very similar in terms of what their criteria is. But one thing that differentiates them is is the time frame in which they in which they last. And so, um, the fact that you had this constant headache tells me that you know what it's probably not a migraine, it's probably neck related because that's one of the types of headache that can just have this constant dull aching for a long time. Okay, so what do we do? Your issues, let's see here. Uh, Your actual, your suboccipitals, so back here on the- Yeah, so I, I, sorry, I started just like for everybody that's from Invisible Scar following, this is the question I always get is what did he do to your neck and how did you fix your jaw? So like- Listen closely. <laughs> <laughs> so your issue, I'm just reading my notes here. Your issue was yeah. um, uh, your left side uh, deep neck flexors. So in the front here, deep neck flexors were tight. Uh, some postural stuff like tightness in the pecs and stuff. This is this is very common um, yeah. in, in students um, and, uh, and, all, and concussion patients as well. Uh, splenius capitis, which is one that kind of wraps around. Your suboccipitals. Uh, on and your left SCM. So your SCM is this big, thick guy right here. It refers yeah. it refers pain into the into the facial region, and both her left SCM and her left suboccipitals referred pain 
into her forehead. So I was able to recreate her forehead. So when I'm doing an assessment on a patient and they're reporting that they have a headache in a certain area, I know right away which muscles and joints I'm going to check because of there are certain muscles that refer into certain areas, right? So if she's saying I have a headache right here in my forehead or in my eye, I'm immediately going to check the suboccipital muscles and I'm going to push on them. And you have to, you have to really dig in on them. You can't just kind of, you know, like, like just very light, you have to really dig in. So when I, when I dug in on that, that caused her headache. And she, you know, obviously that was wince and pain. And I was like, Oh, stop it. Stop it. It hurts. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually remember that. Um, It's like one of the pivotal moments, I think, because I remember when you assessed my neck um, that day and you kind of took a look around and um, it was only supposed to be an assessment. It was never supposed to be a treatment that day. So when you you just looked and you're like, I know what's right with I know what's wrong with you, and I'm gonna fix it today. And I'll never forget those words because like you literally said that, and I was like, no. But then you came in with the uh, the, the you gave you came in with the different papers for me to sign, and I thought for one second, like I don't know if I should sign. I'm alone because my sister wasn't there. Um, but then I thought, you know, I've got nothing to lose. I'm already in so much pain. Let's give it a try. But I remember, um, like those, I don't know how long that is. So it felt like hours when you were treating it, but I remember it being the most painful ever. Like I, I've never yelled in a doctor's room. From pain. <laughs> I remember I yelled when you were, um, kind of treating the neck part there. Um, but I also remember you uh, reminding me it's going to hurt now, but I'm going to save you from a lot of pain later. And I, I'll let you continue. But I remember that part happening in the process. So we have like a, um, we have a, like our clinic has these treatment rooms that are in like basically uh, frosted glass. So you can't see them, but there's no ceiling on the roof. And I frequently have patients just screaming in my, in my room. And I'm like, man, they're just like, I guarantee my next patients are sitting out there. Just like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't don't, want to go in there. I'm not going in. No, 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 no. You, you go first, you know? Um, but, but the thing is I wouldn't put people through that if it didn't, if it didn't work. Right. So, um, I'm of the opinion, like, just let's get it done. Let's get in there. Let's, let's really work it out and it'll suck right now. But, um, it will, it will help. Uh, and so that's what we did. So we treated those muscles. I think I actually, I actually gave you an adjustment that day too. So I adjusted your upper mm-hmm. neck as well um, with manipulation. And so symptom score was a 13 when you came in. And then this is May 24th. And then I saw you on May 29th. So five days later. So that would have been the following Tuesday. Tuesday. And your symptom score was a five. Yeah. So right there, right? You have somebody that comes in with 68 in terms of symptom severity. Uh, after the first part, she's down to 15. She does a treadmill test. She's down to 13. And then, and then we treat her neck, somebody with no neck pain, and that gets rid of most of the other ones. For those that don't know, typically anybody in just walking around in general, if you look at the average um, symptom score. So if I give everybody who's listening right now, if I gave you all a symptom severity score to do for concussion, the average score would be about a seven. So she comes in and she's at a five. Technically that is considered recovered because anything below a seven is considered back to, you know, normal, that's normal, uh, life. Right. So, um, anyway, so she came in as at a five. So here's where her symptoms headache gone zero. So what was your headache when we first started? Let me just go back here. 
Uh, your headache when we first started was was a three so it wasn't it wasn't too too bad uh but blurred vision was a six Mm -hmm. uh and emotion all that stuff is already gone uh fogginess was a five not feeling right was a five okay so let's see how we did after that first session so she came in she was a five headache was zero uh where's fogginess fogginess zero um Pressure in the head, one. Neck pain, now a one, because I usually make it hurt a little bit in the neck. Yeah. Um, blurred vision, still a three. So everything mm-hmm. else is gone. Zero. No balance issues, no dizziness, no confusion. Um, sensitivity to light was gone. Um, no fogginess. Difficulty remembering, drowsiness, all zero. Sensitivity to noise, zero. Not feeling right or not feeling like yourself was a zero. Fatigue, zero. Trouble falling asleep, zero. Sadness, zero. So neck pain, mm-hmm. we got a one. Pressure in the head, we got a one. Blurred vision, we got a three. And the total score is a five. So, and I think this is the one you had your sister with you. Is it? Um, well, when I had on the 24th, I was alone. I think my sister came in on the 25th, uh, the 29th. 29, after that. Yeah. She yeah. wants to know, what did you do to my sister? Yeah. <laughs> so we had, and I think she filmed it. Did she film yeah. it that day? Some of the treatment she she filmed because um, so when we came in on the 24th, um, she was traveling with her MB, so she wasn't here. Um, and I remember when I left the um, when I left the, your office that day after your treatment, you asked me if I felt better. And I remember at that point, I just it, it kind of all felt sore. I, I don't I couldn't feel pain or I didn't know if I felt better. But it wasn't until I walked and I went into my car um, that I thought, oh my god, like I don't have that pounding headache. Um, I, for years, couldn't open up my jaw like that. Like, that was a big thing for me. I used to always have to kind of uh, move my mouth around to do that. Um, even moving like this was not possible without being dizzy. And I, one of the other things was um, getting up and down, like getting into my car and up was always like I could feel my, it's also almost like I could feel my brain moving. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had none of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I immediately got in the car and I drove all the way to Cambridge to see my parents at the time. I drove an hour um, after the doctor's office and it was the day before my dad's uh, 70th birthday. And I just remember everybody at my house being so emotional and so happy about it. Um, and at first, I mean, I had I had my worries of like, okay, is this just for the day or is this going to get better? But something inside me after that day was just like, no, I literally just got better. I... I remember May 24th as being kind of like one of those pivotal moments uh, of my life. And um, obviously the joy was very vivid in my face and um, had my parents and sister constantly supporting me through it too. So uh, I remember my sister came along with me to the following appointment, um, took videos to show my parents like, this is what the doctor did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, that makes me emotional, like hearing that, you know what I mean? Because it's... um, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm just going about my day, right? Like I don't yeah. realize, I don't realize what type of effect that can have on, on somebody. But I, I do frequently get that report that people feel really disoriented, you know, when they, when they leave, um, you know, after the first one, they feel really kind of messed up because your neck tells your brain so much about where you are in space, right? It interacts with your eyes and it interacts with the vestibular system and and so oftentimes when you really get in there and work on that stuff, it's like you have a brand new neck and your brain has to try and figure it all out. So you get up from this and you're just like, Ugh. like mm-hmm. patients will often look at me and go, 
I feel really weird. And I'm like, yeah, yeah it's okay. Yeah. Like it'll, it, it'll pass. Right. And, um, and usually I get the report that by the time they hit their car, which is like, we're in this, this big, um, this big, this, this, it's like a four pad arena with, you know, so it's, it's a big building and usually people park on the other side of it. So by the time they make that walk and get out there, it's, um, uh, usually that's when I get the report that like, I just got in my car and just cried because I actually felt good. And I've heard yeah. that from, from a number that's of exactly people. That's exactly what happened. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I, I just that. went into my car and started crying. I, and it was like tears of joy. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that from, from a lot of people actually is that that's what, so you, you will feel disoriented when you do it. Um, but again, this is this is different than just going to like a typical Cairo that's just going to adjust, adjust, right? Like there's soft tissue treatments in here. Like I do a lot of ART. I do a lot of acupuncture on certain muscles to try and get them to relax because if you're not working on the tissues as well, uh, you're going to completely miss the point and you're going to assume that, you know, Cairo is not, you know, beneficial for you. Like you've yeah. already been to chiropractors before. Yeah, and, you would have been um, the fourth one. Right. And so you have to go see the the, the right one, I guess, or somebody that kind of knows what they're doing and how these things work. And based on a, on a, on a pretty simple assessment, you can figure out what tissues are involved. Right. And, and you can, and you can just get in there and work on them and you're going to have a, you're going to have a really profound effect. And so she was down to a five and this was on May 29th. Uh, and then we treated her again. So I basically Mm -hmm. just did it again. So her subjective notes feeling, uh, quite great, uh, felt improvement right after last treatment. Neck is a little bit sore, but otherwise feels good. Uh, was able to go out on the weekend, went for a bike ride, hung out with friends, didn't have to nap at all. This is her yeah. report on the 29th. Um, yeah. Feeling great. Uh, so then I basically just did the same thing. I worked on her pecs. I worked a little bit in her armpit and her subscapularis muscle up on her traps, her SCM, the sternocleidomastoid. I worked on the deep neck flexors in the front. And then I worked on her left suboccipitals, these guys back here that refer pain over the, over the top. And, uh, and then I adjusted those upper joints again. And I actually worked into your thoracic spine a little bit, did some adjustments in your T-spine. Uh, and I did some acupuncture on your SCM on the left side. And I also put some acupuncture needles in your left suboccipital. Okay. So that was on May 29th. So then I see you, this would have been what, one week later, June 5th. Yeah. I think, I think the discharge date was just a couple weeks after that. Yeah. So June 5th, I saw you and your symptom score had gone up a little bit. So it was a seven. Headache was now a one. So sometimes this can happen, right? So you treat something, push on some stuff, and the headache can come back. Um, anyway, so your headache was a one. Uh, difficulty concentrating was a one, which is common. If you have a headache, it's hard to concentrate. Neck pain was now a two. Um, and then basically, here's what her subjective notes were. Still feeling good. Neck is a bit tight. Um, notice over the weekend, she had some pudding and immediately flared up her headache. So it could yeah. be related to sugars, right? Because at this point, she had taken that out of her diet and was being very diligent on the diet, but feeling good decides, you know what, I'm going to have a little bit of sugar, had some pudding, noticed right away that that flared her headache up. So this is how important it is to, to, to kind of look at this more holistically, right? You can't just go at it from one area and say, oh, vestibular, I'm going to do vestibular rehab and think that that's going to work, right? It's, right. it's, there's more to it than that. And it's a very holistic thing, right? You've got inflammation, you've got potentially uh, neck issues, you've got, you've got vision issues, you've got vestibular issues, but it's all together. Um, so anyway, I just, I basically treated her one more time. Um, so this was on June 5th. 
and the score was a seven. So technically still normal, but it had gone up a little bit uh, from before. And then the final visit was actually a couple of weeks later, two weeks after that. Mm-hmm. So I gave you, I let you go for a couple of weeks and just said, okay, just be diligent on the diet exercise uh, and away you go. And then I saw you June 21st and your symptom score was back down to a four. Headache was zero, 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 zero. Pressure in the head was a one. Neck pain was still a one. Blurred vision was still a two. Um, and basically you were, you were back down to normal. So we were just saying, okay, make sure there's nothing wrong with your eyes. I treated your neck one more time and basically gave you the all clear and just said, if you need me for anything, come back. So since then, um, I see you maybe what, once every six to eight weeks, you just come in and, uh, your neck gets a little bit tight and stuff like that. But other than that, um, concussion symptoms all gone you haven't really had any relapses or anything since then um no every so often you have a little bit of neck pain so that's it that's uh that was your case so that's six years what's let me look at the total recovery time now total recovery time was uh, 2165 days uh and the total treatment duration for us was between may 15th uh, and the discharge date was June 21st. So just over a month. Um, and one, two, three, four, five, six visits, but two of those were assessment visits. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I love hearing that story because I, I always think about it of how, um, for six years was so long and how quickly the treatment was available. And I often talk about that too, because I, I had almost been closed off to getting any more treatment. And it's not, um, I guess you just don't know when you're going to find the right care for everybody. And I think the care exists there. So I share my story now very openly. Um, and I think it, it just to kind of um, be like a source of hope or inspire that it does get better um, as long as uh, you find the proper care. But I think one of the things that you highlighted um, too, and it was the, how diligently um, it was to follow the procedures. I mean, um, the chiropractics and everything you did had such a big impact. Um, the diet portion of it, I think, was equally important as well as um, the exercise. And that was encouraged and advocated um, by yourself. And I think that often um, I remember asking a family physician like three years in, like, oh, what, what do you think about me going and just doing like plant based or eating more raw foods? And said, oh, don't waste your time with that. Just take a couple of Advil's and diet doesn't really do a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the difference between the different kinds of medical care you can see. Um, for me, um, it, and I sometimes talk about it on my lives about the diet portion, and I always hear the feedback of that's so hard, that's so many, um, there's so many things that you can't eat. Um, but I always like go back to what my mom said to me when I, after I visited you, and she said, well, this is kind of a small sacrifice you have to do for the investment of what you'll get out of it after. Um, and those words couldn't be any more true. I think um, a lot of it is there. It has a lot of sacrifice. It takes a bit of discipline. Um, sometimes it's it's more difficult than it seems. But at the end of the day, um, the recovery is a commitment too. Um, it's very easy to say, why me? And sit in a room and just say, I can't do so many things. But I think it's very... Um, important to follow through um, and keep looking for answers or if you're told to do something to kind of stay committed to it and um, keep going with it. 
Yeah, I think that's what I what I notice the difference in patients that I see that get better and those that don't is like, you know, the ones that aren't getting better and the ones that are kind of dragging along. I'm like, okay, well, you following the diet. Well, yeah, most mostly I am. And then, you know, right away, they're full of shit and they're not. And, and then you know that it's going to, it's just, they're not going to get better, yeah. right? They're just not following the instructions. That's like going to the doctor and having an infection and the doctor writing a prescription and saying, okay, you need to take this antibiotic. And then just saying, I'm not going to take the antibiotic, but then actually being upset that you still have the infection, even though you never took the medication that was prescribed to you. Right. So I think exactly. that's, that's the thing. It's people got to look at this, like, this is your prescription. This is your medication. I want you exercising every day. I want you eating this way. I want you doing your rehab. I want you doing your exercises. Cause if you're not going to do it, like, why are you wasting my time? Why are you wasting your own time? It's obviously you don't want exactly. to get better. Those that want to get better, get better. They just have to follow the rules and the, the instructions to do it. Um, those that, you know, don't and want to just complain about it, they'll have, they'll have issues. There's always going to be a lot of um, excuses. That's like yeah. excuses versus reason. I actually just wanted to add another part too about the exercise. Um, I remember you always encouraging it and saying, well, I'll just go for a five minute walk and build on your increments. And um, I was always into running and soccer. And for the longest time, I found that it was very hard um, to even do the running. Um, it wasn't until after the treatment where I felt like I didn't really feel that bump in my head while I was running it always mm -hmm. felt like I could feel it that way um but I think post recovery and post concussion I was I, I'm I often think that one of the struggles through the concussion was I always compared myself to how I was before um but it's important to also see that there's a lot of learnings that come out of it and sometimes you become kind of not a different person but you grow through the experience and I think it kind of gave me um, an opportunity to test and try new things so um after concussion I started doing yoga um, and I did hot yoga. I remember um, asking you if that was a proper choice or proper for um, recovery. Um, and it ended up being hot yoga. So it was very good for the inflammation part of it. It really helped um, mitigate that. Um, and I, I started off by going to one hour classes and they were I was probably only active for the first 10 to 15 uh, classes. But by the end of that year, I was doing 60 minute, 90 minute classes. Sometimes I even did two day, two classes in one day. I mean, obviously I had to build a tolerance for that, but it goes to show that it's possible. I mean, for six years, I was told to lie down and wait until the uh, symptoms got better. And then all of a sudden um, I was able to do quite a bit. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, a huge point for people to keep in mind is that you can't go from zero to the, what you used to do, right? Like people say, yeah. well, I, I used to run marathons and, you know, but then they'll try to go run and they'll, they'll start with a 10 K and it's like, no, 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 <laughs> you gotta, yeah. you gotta come back to basics and pretend you've never run before because basically you get, you get deconditioned and, and just, you know, completely out of shape. And uh, you have to build up that tolerance again. But the symptoms of, you know, having a really hard workout, you'll start to feel dizzy. You'll start to feel really messed up, even without a concussion, right? But you throw a yeah. concussion in the mix. People think that they've flared up their concussion, but really they're just out of shape and they've pushed themselves, you know, beyond that. So, you know, they'll start to have a headache. They'll start to feel dizzy. They'll start to feel lightheaded, whatever. Um, so it's just, you have to realize that there's a lot of overlap between the symptoms of this. Um, did you have any other questions in terms of, I know that you had some questions that have come from people just in terms of specifics on certain things um, that you want to cover? Yeah, so I think one of the questions that would be nice is I've got a lot of followers that are in the Europe time zone, so I'm hoping that they tuned in now, but a lot of them don't have access to um, here 
is there anything they can do um, from their house now to um, to, to kind of tr start to treat stuff? I mean, I always advocate for the anti-inflammatory diet and kind of easing their way into exercise, but maybe uh, you could kind of speak to that or if there's any kind of educational resources that you could lead them to. Yeah, I think that it's, um, um, there's, it's it's tough because everyone's everyone's kind of different, right? So I kind of tend to go with a blanket approach and try to think of things uh, more holistically. Um, if you have a really good concussion clinician in your community, then that's probably the best to have somebody to guide it through. But we know that not everyone has that, and so um, and actually, I've I've actually uh, had I think I've for the past three or four sessions we've been kind of teasing this out. But we have a we have a course that we've designed specifically for patients that we're we're launching actually. Uh, next week. So one week today, so that if you're listening to this on the podcast or watching this on YouTube, then there's a good chance it's already released. Um, and we're actually launching it through concussiondoc.io, which is, uh, which is uh, my new site. And um, so the course actually we're putting, uh, we have Dr. Paul Herkel on it, who's a naturopath. He does all of our diet stuff for all of our concussion patients. So the exact diet that, that you are following will be kind of included in that, but just trying to give patients the tools that they can use because we know that not everyone has access to this. Um, and other things that we're including in there, we have a psychotherapist uh, who's talking about uh, just basically the entire mindset you need for recovery, talking about meditation, talking about exercise. We teach people how to start exercising after their concussion, uh, how to eat properly, how to do some neck rehab for yourself. What types of vestibular and visual exercises, how can you kind of assess yourself and then, and then, uh, and then do the exercise. So I think that really step one is if you can find somebody in your community, who's a really good concussion clinician, then I would start there. If you can't, you can check out our course or other online resources. I think that we're probably the only course online right now for concussion for specifically for patients. We usually teach the healthcare professionals, but we realize that there's a lot of people still that we can't help unless we educate them directly. So all the same education that we gave you and your thing, uh, when, when you were first starting to see me, that's all included in there. Uh, we go through what are the, you know, the main causes of persistent symptoms and what you can do to kind of tackle each one on your own. So I think that it's not going to be, you know, the be all end all for everybody, but I think that, you know, probably we're probably going to be able to help probably 85% of patients get rid of their symptoms just through an online education course, which I think is going to be pretty, uh, pretty uh, crazy. But yeah, that's, that's kind of my recommendation. Oh, we're running out of time. We only have two minutes. Instagram live kicks you off after, after an hour. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> Um, any other, any other questions specifically about, I think, I think kind of you've really, um, gone through it in detail. And I think that kind of answers it for, um, a lot of the inquiries that I've been getting. I mean, I don't have a medical or scientific background, so it's really good to hear that. And I hope that it does benefit, um, everybody. I was very closed off with my experience when I was going through a concussion. I feel like being open about it now has, um, helped a lot, uh, a lot more people and it's doing good. So I will continue to do that. And, um, share that yeah. content on my page. Um, I'm very, uh, I always say this and I know, but I'm very grateful um, for your um, commitment to concussions and for the care that I received that really did um, shift lives. And I think it's, uh, you're so used to doing it all the time, but it does have a very big impact on people's lives. I mean, since then, I've been able to do so much and a lot of the goals and dreams, aspirations that I had, that I thought I'd never do. Um, I'm living them now. So, and I am grateful for that. Let's let's just go through those goals real quick. We have 48 seconds left it says. But <laughs> but basically when you when you first came to see me, 
um, you know, you had finished undergrad by this point, but mm -hmm. since then now you are, you did an MBA, right? That's correct. I'm, I'm, I'll be finishing up in a, in a few months. Right. And yeah. you, uh, you started a side business, right? And you're still I had the side business oh, and uh, I was okay. able to kind of push it up a little bit more and put more time into it. Yeah. I do, I'm working in corporate strategy as my full time. I've got the blog going on the side and just be able to be more active and uh, fill my time with activities and socializing. I mean, with limitations now with COVID, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, I've been able to, I just feel like I've got the wealth of time now. It's uh, no more limitations. Oh, we're off of Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's, I mean, we don't, uh, we don't need yeah, Instagram no, it's necessarily, but a change in life. yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, just because like going from, from that into like something is, is, and you're working full time, you're doing an MBA, you're doing, you know, and you have your own business. I think that's like, that's a lot for anybody to juggle. And especially being able to do that now, given the past six years has been you know, brutal, I think that that's, that's a huge uh, testament for, for what is possible. So um, yeah, sweet, sweet. Pushing okay. limits and we're going to keep moving forward. So that's thank right. you. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today and kind of sharing your story with everyone and allowing me to get into your medical uh, record a little bit. I know that, you know, some people wouldn't feel comfortable with that, but it's so uh, great that you're open and sharing your story. So again, appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll end it there. Do you have any final, final words, final thoughts? No, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> See you later. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.